0: first of all that there is a pathway that the father has called all of us to and there is a journey that he wants us to consider ourselves to be a part of that is unpredictable in fact scripture says in john 3 8 that those who are led by the spirit are like the wind you don't know from where they've come neither do you know where they're going that's what john 3 8 says Those who are led by the Spirit are like the wind, not because there's confusion, but because Holy Spirit will find that you are in the place you need to be in the time and the moment you need to be in that place. That's the way Holy Spirit works. He's very aware of the needs. He's very aware of the opportunities that exist all around you and all around me. So when I speak of Two shall become one and began the series a couple of weeks ago. I said to you, it isn't about marriage. However, I'm going to start today by using marriage as an example. Um, There is nothing better when I speak of oneness, of two becoming one, nothing better when I speak of oneness than uh, to be able to speak for my wife because we're one. And I can do that. We've been married now almost 27 years. And in almost 27 years, I had to calculate my mind, make sure I'm getting that right, and I don't want to be in trouble today, and, um, or any day, and almost 27 years, it's been amazing. We never had the first year whatever's that so many people talk about, the first year of hell that so many discuss and say they had their first year of marriage, trying to figure one another out. We, we never had that. We did not experience that. Ours came in the 10th. You know, I'm just kidding. The, um, we never had that. We have, we have enjoyed one another's company since before we were married. We have enjoyed being with one another. We've been of one mind and one spirit uh, for a very long time. Um, however, I will tell you quickly, you've heard this story, so I'm going to tell it very quickly. But there was a season in the beginning, though we did not have complications and we did not fight and we did not argue we did not do any of those things that so many people talk about they experience in their first year of marriage in our first year we had not become one marriage does not make you one we have a couple that are getting married in a couple of weeks here <gasps> marriage does not make you one i'm probably going to say that at your wedding <laughs> you're not one because you sign a document Marriage gives you the hope of becoming one, but it is not a promise that you will become one. It is the hope that you can be, but not the promise that you will be. And when my wife and I got married in that first year, even though everything was wonderful, we loved all the same things, we did all of the same things, yet we had not yet become one. We were two people living in the same home. I couldn't think for her, she couldn't think for me. I couldn't finish her sentences, she could not finish mine. We had the opportunity to go to a church in Alabama and become the senior minister of that church. It was a awesome church, actually, a large church, and it was great. It was wonderful. We were offered the opportunity to go there. We had evangelized, When we were evangelizing, we had gone there, and we had preached for them a few times. They loved us. We loved them. It was a good people, good place, nice city right outside Birmingham, and we went and All the way driving there, I knew that the reason that we were going was because they had called and they said, would you come and preach and consider being the senior ministers here? Well, that's not really at that time what I wanted to do, but I could not, there's more to the story, but did not walk away from seeing if Holy Spirit was in it. So my wife and I drove to Alabama all the way there. We're driving from Panama City, Florida. We're on our way there. And all the way there, my wife said, I'm it, I, I'm, I'm not moving to Alabama. <laughs> I can tell you it's not happening. Alabama's not happening for me. And, um, and I said, well, hon, you know, what if Holy Spirit calls us to Alabama? He won't. <laughs> he knows my heart. He won't. I said, but what if he does? He won't. So... There was some disagreement along the way, and we got there, and when we got there, I preached Sunday morning, I preached Sunday night, and we loved them as much as we had any other time that we had preached there, and they loved us back as much as they had any, Actually, I think a little bit more. They loved us a little bit more than they had any other time that we had been there, and after the service, they said, would you accept the leadership of this ministry, and uh, I said, you know what? I said, let me speak with my wife, and we're going to go home. I'll speak with my wife, and, and I'll give you a call in a few days, okay? So we left. Well, my, well, first of all, we had to go to dinner with everybody. They had this big dinner on the grounds, and they had tables, and there's, I mean, there's I don't know how many, two or 300 people out there, and they're sitting around tables, and my wife and I are sitting there, and we're eating dinner, and the whole time she's wondering what I'm thinking. See, because we hadn't become one yet, she couldn't figure it out. <laughs> She couldn't read my thoughts. Well, I could read hers. I was one with her, I can tell you. And we are sitting there at the table, and I could tell the whole time she had grown a little bit quiet. And uh, I could tell she was thinking, man, I wish they'd stop talking to him because he's falling more and more in love with them as the <laughs> moments go by. And we left that day, and we're on our way home to Panama City, and it was, I can't remember now, maybe five hours' drive. I can't remember exactly. But it was a good drive, and we were on our way home, and my wife said, What are we going to do? And I said, i'm just being real if i may this is we had been married about a year maybe not quite and i said um and i knew from what she was asking i knew from what place in her heart she was asking and it wasn't the place of at that moment it wasn't the place of i want to do what's right at that moment it was i want to do what i want and what i want is not in alabama so I said to her, I said, I'm not telling you. That didn't go well. <laughs> and so it was a long ride home. <laughs> and when we got home, a day had passed. That was on a Monday. That was a Monday. Monday. We went to bed that night, and never do we go to bed without speaking to each other. I'm pretty certain we had dinner, didn't speak. We had went to bed and didn't speak. We had breakfast and didn't speak. I'm pretty certain that it went, uh, it went a little longer than should have. And um, so that afternoon, I was mowing the grass. I went out in the back, and the grass need mowing, and I'm trying to sort all this out and really just trying to hear Holy Spirit because if I can be honest with you, there was nothing in Alabama I wanted either, but I love those people. doesn't make Alabama a bad place. It just wasn't right for Steve and Kim. And I believed that in my heart, but I didn't know that in my heart. So for me to tell her what I believed in my heart without knowing in my heart what was right would have only created a deeper concussion between the relationship of the two of us. So I knew to say something or to give her hope for what might not be would have been the wrong decision. So I went out in the yard and I start cutting the grass. Oh, no, 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 I didn't start cutting it yet. We were sitting there and my wife said, are we going to talk about this? And I said, yeah. And she said, I'm just telling you, honey, I'm not going to Alabama. And I said, if he tells me that Alabama, that that church is right for me, if I go alone, I'm going. It's up to you what you do. But if he tells me that that's where I'm supposed to be, and you're determined you're not going, I hope you can pay for this house. Because I'm going. And she said, But we're married. I said, And Holy Spirit spoke to me, and and I said, On paper. So many of you are so disappointed in me right now, (laughs) but your disappointment's in the wrong place. And I said, On paper. And she said, What do you mean by that? I said, We're married because we both signed the same document on the same day, and we both put a ring on each other's finger on the same day that said we're married, but we have not become one. You are joined to me and me to you in the flesh, but there is no joining in the spirit. And with that, I stood up and I said, I'm cutting the grass. And I went and I got my little push mower and I walked out in the backyard and I'm pushing my mower and it's in Panama City, Florida, it's about 100 degrees outside, and humidity's about 150% and I'm sweating and I'm hot and in the middle of that, out comes my wife with this cold glass of tea. Now I'm going to be honest with you, the whole time I'm mowing that grass, all I can think about is, you know what, this might be the last day of my marriage. And I'm really, I'm asking Yahweh, I'm saying, God, is that your heart? I'm doing exactly the same thing you would do. Is it really your will? I love her, but I love your purpose more. And then out comes my wife with a glass of, well, I didn't know what it was, but she had a glass of something, (laughs) cyanide. (laughs) <laughs> she said very sweetly I hadn't seen that in a couple days. <laughs> she said are you would you like something to drink? <laughs> and I and I never considered that there was something in it. <laughs> Should I have? I don't but And I said yes And I took that drink And she cried And I cried And she said you're right She said as soon as you said that In there I knew you were right We're joined in the natural But we need to trust Holy Spirit together And we cannot go any further If we are not in one In an agreement With the things that Holy Spirit asks of us And she said If you believe that God is calling us to Birmingham, Alabama. She might have choked. (coughs) No, she didn't. If you believe that God is calling us to Birmingham, Alabama, let's go. I'm with you. And I said, he's not. (laughs) What? (laughs) I said, he's not. And we talked about why the position I took and the position she took. Was her position right and mine wrong or mine right and hers wrong? Both of those positions were necessary in order to get us to the place where marriage could provide for us the opportunity, the hope of becoming one, but not the promise. There's no promise. There was a hope. But hope, Scripture says hope deferred, makes the heart sick. If there's no possibility that the hope can become fruit, the discouragement that roots can really hinder us from pressing on. But I can tell you today, it is often that he will take what is seemingly... Very terrible circumstances. Yep. Come on. Put them in the middle of what is seemingly the perfect opportunity. Yep. And join them together. I don't want to so give Tim's private information, but he shared a story this morning talking about some of this and how these things go together. And he can put these things together to produce a oneness that can only be reflected when we have a right relationship with him because if our relationship with him is not right, oneness in any area of our life cannot occur. Can I say to you today, there's not a living couple on the planet Earth that does not accept that Jesus Christ is Lord, that Jesus Christ is Savior, that they have received Jesus. There is not a living couple on planet Earth, no matter how good they are, if they do not have a relationship with God, they are not one. Oneness does not happen by the natural, oneness happens only by the Spirit. It is always, always by the Spirit. My spiritual father who passed away last year gave an example of oneness that I've used many, many times, and I'm going to use it again very quickly before I move into the rest of what I want to share with you today. He said, if you want to show a picture of what oneness is, all you have to do is take the Kool-Aid powder in a glass of water. You got powder in one hand, glass of water in the other. You open that packet of Kool-Aid, for those, how many know what Kool-Aid is in here? Do they still sell it in the packet? Oh, you can, okay, just want to make sure. I haven't had that in a long time, didn't know if that went the way of the dodo bird. But you can take, you take that Kool-Aid, that powder, when you pour that powder into that water and you mix that water up, you will never get that Kool-Aid out of that water again. They have become one. You'll never get that water. You can dehydrate, you can set that glass out in the sun and it will dehydrate and it will leave a film on the side of that glass, but everything goes. It has now become one. It is either all there or it is entirely not. It is not one leaves and one stays. They have become so intertwined and so interdependent upon one another that you don't know where one begins and one ends. So when we think of oneness... Again, marriage does not make us one. It gives us the hope that we can be. But it isn't a promise that we will be. The same is true in our relationship with a father. Let's talk about this today. First of all, let me share with you a law that you're familiar with. You hear me say this word because it's one of my favorite words. has been for years. I used to memorize words in the dictionary. I haven't done that in a long time. But I used to take words and, and I would pick out words that I thought said a lot of things and I would memorize them. You remember back when we, when I, when we started the church... At that point, I was memorizing one a week. It's not a lot, but uh, there's 52 weeks in a year, and, and uh, so I felt like that was good. But one of the words back then that I loved was the word reciprocity. It's a word that carries a lot of volume in it. In other words, what goes around comes around sort of. Sort of. It's It means that um, it, a reciprocal thing is when I sow into this or when I put a measure of something into this, the reciprocal is going to be that a measure will come back. It's going to come back around. It's going to come back to me in some form or some fashion, not always the same way. What is given, if I were going to paraphrase it, the law of reciprocity is what is given is gotten. When what is given is Gotten. I want to begin today by reading out of Psalm chapter 24. Turn with me in your Bibles, please, to Psalm 24, verse 3. This is what it says. If you're following along in the app, if you click on that scripture, it will actually open up the, all that scripture to you. Who shall ascend the hill of the Lord, and who shall stand in his holy place? Then he answers, It is he who. Who has clean hands and a pure heart, he who does not lift up his soul to what is false and does not swear deceitfully, he will receive blessing from the Lord and righteousness from the God of his salvation. It isn't just the one who has clean hands and a pure heart. It isn't just the one that does not lift up his soul to what is false it is not just the one who does not swear deceitfully but it is those and it is those who find themselves and know and have come to the place where God has become their salvation it isn't enough that you live a good life. For all the people that say, but he's a good man, I can tell you, these things are good. Verse 4 lists the good things. you got clean hands and a pure heart. You don't do what's bad. You don't swear. You're not a liar. You do these things. That's good. But in verse 5, he qualifies it by saying, and also, he has to make sure that he has come under, the righteousness, uh, come under righteousness because God has become his salvation. So it's the qualifier of all these things. And he says, he will receive blessing from the Lord, and righteousness from the God who has become his salvation. So, when I asked the question, or when he asked the question, who shall ascend the hill of the Lord? This is not a physical hill, but a metaphorical hill. Who shall ascend the hill of the Lord? Who is it? He who has clean hands and a pure heart. He who does not lift up his soul to what is false and does not swear deceitfully, he will receive blessing from the Lord and righteousness from the God of his salvation. I said earlier that it's important that we understand. Well, let me say it this way again what I said earlier. My heart is to always teach you out of the law and into relationship. I want to teach you out of the law. Get you out of the law. I want to get you out of, if I do this, then that. And into, because of my relationship, all things will be added unto me. Whatever those all things are, he will fill that. All things are not added to you in the law. Only those things that the law provides. All things can only be added in the Spirit. And things cannot be added in the Spirit unless we become one with him by the Spirit. We are not one with God when we live in the law. We are one with God when we live by the Spirit. The law does not determine, or the law does determine the limits of what I receive. Faith and relationship with God removes all the boundaries and the limits of what is possible. So he who has a clean hand, clean hands and a pure heart, who does not lift up his soul to what is false, does not swear deceitfully, who has made God his salvation, this one can ascend. The hill of the Lord. Now, with that, the challenge is there's challenges with that because, with that, if I'm going to become one with Him, I want to ascend this hill. And in order to ascend the hill of the Lord, I need to become, I have to get to the place where I am one. So, there's things that may be in my life that are obstacles to that ascension. If I want to ascend the hill of the Lord, what are the obstacles, Candy, to my ascension? And usually, those obstacles that hinder us from ascending the hill are things that we do not usually quickly consider. They are tendencies that we don't often consider. Things that are a part of our life that we don't really think are hindering us and yet are. Things that we justify. And we know when we begin to justify things, justification always, always, always prevents two people from becoming one. Let's go back to marriage. Let's go back to a relationship between a husband and a wife. Justification will always prevent you from becoming one because when you justify what you think is right, she justifies what she thinks is right, that justification just built the biggest wall between you. You will never be one. If you choose to live within justification, you will die within it. Justification lives within the law. Justification does not live within the Spirit of God. So when we begin to justify things in us, it prevents us from ascending the hill of the Lord. When we say to the Father, when we begin to justify the condition of my faith, I would believe if you would do this for me. I've justified my position. The moment I begin to justify that, the Father says, well, you keep on justifying, and you will always be at the bottom of my hill and never plant your flag on the top of my hill. You cannot ascend my hill if you have justification in your heart, if you are always trying to figure out why or excuse the reasons why you are in the condition that you are in. You cannot ascend my hill until you accept. Justification always removes personal responsibility. Wow. Hey. Well, I have a right to this. I have a right to feel this way. I have a right because whatever. Justification will always keep two people, two. Yeah. Yeah. It will always separate you from God. It will always separate you from your husband, from your wife, from those he has joined you to. Justification will always separate because the mo- every time we justify, we build a wall. If you would just do this, this wouldn't be. And the father said, you just blame me for your condition the husband just said you're telling me that I have not provided you a way out of that justification wife the wife just said you're telling me husband I haven't provided you a way out of that and it immediately causes us justification means I'm going to lay the blame on someone else is anybody hearing what I'm saying this morning justification will always prevent us from getting to that place and if I use marriage again and I look at that and I think about that and we say to our spouses, we say to our husbands, we say to our wives and this is one of the reasons why, see I had every right, my wife had every right, every right to say to me, I have a right to know if we are moving to Alabama and it was on that platform that created the disturbance in our spirit that could have easily brought separation in the story you see today wouldn't be a story at all. I could lay out the times I've gone to her. I have a right to do this, and every time I will go to her, every time she would go to me, I have a right, without even saying I have a right, we're never gonna say that because we don't wanna sound rude. <laughs> so what we say is, I don't have a right, I am right. <laughs> Which is saying to them, you're wrong. And how many people have you ever said, you're wrong, you're wrong, you're wrong too, and somehow you became one? <laughs> Thank you. Say it again, Kaylee. <laughs> she said, you're right. <laughs> See, but the Father's looking for a way to get us to oneness. I'm going to do the greatest thing that's ever happened in your marriage today, right now. I'm going to help every marriage. I'm going to help every person who's going to be married, who's getting married, who's on your way to marriage. Doesn't know, You don't know who you're marrying yet, but you're going to marry. I'm going to help you all today. You want to have a marriage of oneness? Become one with God. Make His right your right. His way your way. Stop believing you have to be right all the time. The best time for you to figure out that you don't have to be right all the time is before you get married. Because two wrongs don't make a right. Right? Two wrongs make it harder to get right. (laughs) Tweet that. (laughs) So what are our obstacles to ascension? It's the tendencies that we don't consider because we think about the things, how do we ascend if I have clean hands and a pure heart? See, if I were to ask every single person in this room, ask myself if you were to ask me, we would all say I have clean hands and a pure heart, but it's because and we might but what if we don't if we're not one with the father we're not one with the father because we're not ascending the hill with clean hands and a pure heart if there's not a oneness there something is missing what are the tendencies that i'm not considering what are things that are in me what are the obstacles in my life that are hindering me from being one with the father that i don't consider that are really obstacles am i really honest with myself why is it can I ask you this question I'm going to be real practical right now but can I ask you this question why is it it's really easy for us to be honest with God when we're in the back room of our bedroom or our house or our car or wherever we might not in room in your car but wherever you might be <laughs> why is it it's really easy to be honest with God when we're alone and we're talking to him privately and personally but then when we are talking about ourselves and we begin to reflect on what's really with us we can't even say to ourselves what we just said to God Father, there's a lot of there's things in me I need healing. I need help. I need you to help clarify my mind. And then when we're thinking about ourselves and we say to ourselves, What's, what am I thinking about that's hindering me? Suddenly, we, we've drawn a blank. Yet we know there's something there because we just took it to the Father. Are you hearing what I'm saying this morning? So the obstacles to, us, to our ascension, to coming up that hill, are those things that most of the time we don't consider, and I want you to consider today. And justification is the biggest thing. When I begin to think about that, and I begin to think about all of the ways and all of the things that exist in our lives, the life that we live, you fill your file cabinet of life every single day with paper after paper after paper. Every experience you have from the time you rise up in the morning till you go to bed at night is another essay written everything you do, and then that gets filed away into the cabinet of your mind. And then when that door, that drawer is opened and you begin to peruse through every essay, every paragraph that had been written about every decision that you made, you begin to, if we're not careful, we begin to quickly justify everything that was done because of this, because of that, and this, and this, and the other. And the Holy Spirit says, what I want you to do today is that I want you to clean that stuff out. I don't know why I'm so drawn. Maybe it's because we have a wedding in a couple weeks, but I'm really drawn to the man and the woman and the bride and the husband today. I can almost finish my wife's sentence every time, almost 27 years later. She can finish mine every time she can tell me I'm upset before I know I'm upset it's true she'll say why are you upset and I'll say am I and then before I know it I really am what are you thinking about am I thinking oh yeah I am You will never find me, never find me on the worst day because we're one, and if I hurt her, I hurt me. You will never find her on our worst day because she knows if she hurts me, she hurts her. You will never find us speaking negatively one of the other. Not to our children, not to you, not to anybody else, even if there were reason, to, even if we felt justified because we've come to the conclusion that that justification separates us. You will never know when we have a disagreement unless it's 20 years later and I'm using it as an example. You will never know if I'm upset with her. You will never know if she's upset with me. Is that because we think we're better than everybody else? No, it's because we're one and we're not trying to expose the disagreement. We're trying to find a way to bring that together so that that oneness can remain. That's how important it is. But see, we have that because we have that with a father. You cannot have that if you do not have that with a father. Read with me in Hebrews 10. Turn there, please. Hebrews 10, verse 26. We assume that Luke wrote Hebrews. We really don't know. But we assume. And in that assumption, you wonder what was going on in the mind, in his mind, when he began to write. And we know he was inspired by Holy Spirit. But when he writes this passage, it's almost depressing to read this, and yet it's not meant to be. But what he's doing, what the writer is doing as they write this, is they're giving a pathway because everything about the New Testament is about becoming one with God. Everything in the Old Testament is about becoming one with a law. Because man sacrificed his ability to be one with God. But God sent Christ as the second Adam so that once again we could become one with God. We could become sons of God, heirs of Jesus Christ, joint heirs with Jesus Christ. So here the writer is writing in Hebrews and as he begins to write, it's, it's almost depressing and it's hard to take but if you can grab a hold of what he's doing it is in his passion sometimes people have said to me in the past they've said you know on this particular day you said some things that were really hard or really difficult or really hard to hard to take nothing that I've ever said was said so that it would be hard to take Whatever's in me and whatever is said, whether it's in this pulpit or whether it's sitting on the sofa in my office talking to you across the table, whatever is said is is said to provoke you to a better moment, to provoke you into hope, to provoke you into healing, to provoke you into forgiveness or repentance or whatever is necessary. And the writer writes, for if we go on sinning, Deliberately. Everybody say deliberately. In the King James Version it says willfully. If we go on sinning deliberately or willfully after receiving the knowledge of the truth, there is no longer a sacrifice for sin. You came to the knowledge of truth and you choose To keep denying the truth, too bad for you. There is no longer a sacrifice for sin, but instead a fearful expectation of judgment and a fury of fire. Or when some people read it, I always enjoy listening to them read this scripture because they'll say, And a fury of fire. A fury of fire that will consume the adversaries. Anyone who has set aside the law of Moses will die without mercy on the evidence of two or three witnesses. If you're living by the law, you're going to die by that law. And if you live by the law and die by the law, how much worse will the punishment be, do you think, by the one who has trampled under their feet the Son of God? And has profaned the blood of the covenant by which he was sanctified. And has outraged the spirit of grace. For we know him who said, vengeance is mine, I will repay. And again the Lord will judge his people. It is a fearful thing to fall into the hands of the living God. Who shall ascend? Everything about the kingdom of God, everything about our relationship with the Father is to get us to the place where there once was God and then there was Steve. He wants to get Steve to the place where there is God and there is Steve and you can't find the space between them. Because the desires and the passions of Steve reflect the desires and passions of God. The convictions that that are possessed in Steve's life reflect the heart and the nature of God. I started preaching a little over 30 years ago, and back then, it was very common for preachers to preach a message that was referred to often as hell, fire, and brimstone message. I mean, you'd get up, you'd send everybody to hell, (laughs) even if they didn't need to go to hell, you'd send them there so that they'd never want to go back. because it was more important that you could get 50 people to the altar to pray for forgiveness of their sins than it was to tell them that there's a life beyond sin. You cannot be Let me think this through. When I think of ascending the hill of the Lord, I don't want my hands to be clean because I think they're clean. I want my hands to be clean because I have confirmation from Holy Spirit that my hands are clean. I'm not going to be the one that comes to him and says, I'm going to ascend the hill. My hands are clean. That singular, singular spot that's there, I can't get it off. The Father says, because you're trying to get the law to remove that. Well, you let me do it by the Spirit. Your hands have never been so clean. Your heart's never been so pure. If You will trust me. The tendencies that are in us that hinder us that we don't like to acknowledge, I'm asking you this morning, go ahead and acknowledge them so that you can deal with them, you can repent of them, and you can lay them at the altar of God. In fact, lay them at the bottom of the hill. You're trying to figure out where's your relationship with God? How come you don't feel what everybody else feels? How come when they talk about God, it sounds like passion? When I talk about God, it sounds like I'm reading a book. You want to find that? Lay your tendencies at the foot of the hill. Who can ascend the hill of the Lord? The one who laid everything aside and stopped justifying every little thing stop justifying offense, stop justifying anger, stop justifying disappointment, stop justifying failure, stop justifying success. Well, I don't really need you, God. I've been doing this pretty good on my own. You just justified, and your justification just separated you. You like being two, or you prefer to be one? Because if you can be one with God, you can be one with your husband, you can be one with your wife, you can be one with your family, with your friends. Let me tell you what oneness does. Oneness heals. Oneness heals. So, who can ascend? He who has clean hands and a pure heart. What is it in Hebrews the Father's trying to get our attention about? He's not trying to draw us back to hellfire and brimstone message. What he's trying to do is awaken us, and alarm us, and alert us, and to say to us, Do you know what? Sometimes there really are things that are there that you need to repent of and there's nothing to be ashamed about. If you need to repent, repent so that you can ascend. Not a hill that takes you up to some high place. The hill isn't something that you can visually look at and you can see this side of it but not the other side. The hill are those giants To continue to hinder you. The hill of the Lord is the Father saying, I'm planting myself right in the face of every giant that has ever come against you. And when you ascend the hill, you won't see their face anymore. You'll see mine. He wants us to ascend. He wants us to repent. He wants us to make right until his tendencies become our tendencies. What are his? Let me read these. It's to love to forgive, to serve, and to honor. To love, to forgive, to serve, and to honor. Love in all of these I could preach, and I want to wrap this up, but I could preach a whole message on what love is and what it isn't. Love is truth. Love is not blindness. Love is truth. When his tendencies become ours, we become one. When I love like Him, when I forgive like Him, when I can serve like Him, when I can honor like Him. Jeremiah twenty nine eleven says this, For I know the plans that I have for you, declares the Lord, and they are plans to prosper you and not to harm you. Plans to give you hope and a future. I know the plans that I have for you, says the Lord. They are plans to prosper you and not to harm you. Plans to give you hope and a future. Don't play anything yet. His plan is for you and him, for him and I, to be one just as he and Christ and Holy Spirit are one. What is your plan? I have said to my children, and I don't mean to make them uncomfortable. That's never my intention, but usually the result. <laughs> I've said to all of my children as they have grown, one day they're going to find husbands. They're going to find Joshua will find a wife. My daughters will find a husband. Let me make sure that's clear. My daughters will find a husband. (laughs) My son will find a wife. And I've said to them all of their lives, my wife and I both, because we are one, we've said to them all of our lives, it is in our heart that whoever God brings to you, that he brings them. Whether it be husband or wife doesn't mean it has to be somebody that I know, but that God brings them to you. And then when he brings them to you and you know that they are the one, it is important to me that for my girls, that whoever he is, I don't care how much money he makes. I don't care how successful he is. I care about whether he can lead you spiritually. And if he can provide you a mansion on ten hills, but cannot lead you spiritually, get rid of him. If he does not have a passion for God, or his lack of passion hinders you, or hides your passion, I can tell you he's not the one And while it might look good in the beginning, it will be hell in the end. And to my son, whoever she is, will she let you lead her spiritually? Does she love God with everything that is in her? He said, I know what plans I have for you, declares the Lord, and they are plans to prosper you and not to harm you. Plans to prosper you and not to harm you. If you can ascend the hill, if you can accept that you can be one with me and me with you, if you can accept that you don't need to justify anymore, you can love and forgive and serve and honor, if you can get to that place, Where if your flesh says, I don't want to, but your spirit says, I want to, and you do what's in your spirit to do, and you become one, he says, I have plans, and I will prosper you and let no harm come to you, and I will give you a hope, and I will give you a future, but you need to trust me more than you trust yourself until we are one and my desires become your desires. If you desire anything, and every time you think about that, you have something in your heart or your spirit that says, I don't know that this is right. Let me just tell you right now, it's not. If you have a relationship with God and there's something in you that's giving you a check against that thing, in your mind, everything looks right, feels right, sounds right, smells right, tastes right, right, all of that, all of that adds up. But somehow in your heart, you know this isn't right. It's not right. It's not right. It's not right. It's not right. right. It is not right. It is not right. You know and you're knower, and it is not right. I'm telling you today, it isn't right. It's not right, it's not right, it's not right, it's not right, and you're not going to do ten things and make it right. If it's not right, it's not right, it is not right! The good news is when I become one with Him, when I commit myself to Him and I say, Father! There is nothing more that I want Hallelujah. that I honor you with every fiber of who I am. Yes, yes, yes. And I will lay down every single thing that exists in me to be one with you. Yes, yes. Hallelujah. Let me tell you what he would do. He will answer that with a hope and with a future. Every time. If it ain't right, it ain't right. If it ain't right, it ain't right. And I'm saying ain't because ain't's a word now. (laughs) Webster made it a word. It's a word. Who can ascend the hill of the Lord but he who has clean hands and a pure heart, who's not lifted up his soul to an idol? What idol? Even ourselves, sometimes we become our own idol. We prop ourselves up, our position. What idol is there? I don't know. This facade or an image or whatever it might be become an idol. I have to look this way, feel that way, act this way. The father says, really? I love what Archie did. When he said to the guy, he said, you want the long story or the short story? I probably would have asked him, do you want the long story or the longer story? <laughs> and the guy said, I want the short story. He said, and I'm just paraphrasing, he said, it's Holy Spirit, man. Right. Right. What? It's just Holy Spirit. Hallelujah. Just Holy Spirit. Man, that's what I'm talking about. Have a seat. Let's chat. Because it wasn't about what he's done so well. It wasn't about this great genius idea he had. Let me tell you, everything that I am, everything that's within me, everything I'm doing is coming from God. Let me just throw this out there. If you want to know whether or not two, you're one with God. There's things. We, let's just. Can we just accept that there's things we got to clean up? Yes. Yes. Always, yes. things that come. It doesn't mean you're sinning. Right. That's right. Doesn't mean you're sinning. Sometimes things get mucked up just because there's cattle in the house, right. or in the pasture. Yes. Hopefully not in the house. <laughs> Scripture says, "Where there are no ox, the stall is clean." Man, get some ox in there, man. It doesn't mean you're sinning. There's some cleaning sometimes; it just has to be done. You have to take to the Father and say, "You know what, I, man? This stuff got here. I, there's stuff in here. I, I found myself suddenly. I don't feel one. Suddenly, I'm not hearing you. Suddenly, conviction isn't said. I can tell you. I know. Listen. I don't even want to accept in my atmosphere." Those things that discredit my testimony. Yes, 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 yes. I don't want you cussing in my airspace. Unless you're wearing a hell no shirt. Hey. <laughs> I don't want you talking ugly about your husband or wife in my airspace. Right. Come on. I don't want you gossiping in my airspace. Yeah. Somebody say some things just need to be cleaned up. I don't want you accepting defeat in my airspace. It's funny to me, sometimes people accept defeat and they're not even defeated yet. I've lost! I've lost! I've lost! It's over! It's over! And it's like, you still have a bank account? You still have a car? You're still driving? You still have something? You have a place? to you have a roof over your head? What are you breathing? Are you breathing air? I'm done, I'm defeated, it's all over, all this stuff has happened to me, all this stuff, and God said, man, are you kidding me? Sometimes, and and we quickly, as we said earlier, sometimes quickly people, man, we blame the devil, oh, the devil, the devil, the devil, and God's saying, man, the devil didn't have anything, I did all that to you. God said, I did all that because you're at the bottom of my hill and I had to do all that so you could start getting up my hill. I'm letting all that happen. Stop giving the devil credit for things I'm doing. trying to give the devil my glory yeah. <laughs> all that conviction and guilt you're feeling devil didn't do that to you he said I'm doing that to you man I got Holy Spirit working overtime on you you kidding all the stuff you recognize that need to repent of, I got Holy Spirit working overtime on you that's not the devil reminding you of your past that's not the devil reminding you of your past that's me reminding you of your past I'm reminding you so that you'll forget it you'll give it to me. You keep trying to beat it yourself. I want you to give it to me. You give it to me, I'll take care of that. But you keep living it over and over and over and over and over and over and you've gotten rid of all your, you've gotten rid of all the letters that reminded you of your past. You got rid of all the yearbooks that reminded you of your past, all the photos that reminded you of your past. You got rid of all your posts on social media that reminded you of your past. And then every now and then you go back and you look them up just so you can be reminded of your past. He wants to clean it up. Amen. Two shall become one. When two become one, that's when we ascend the hill of the Lord. When two become one. I can't be one right with anyone else until I'm right with my Father. If I get it right with the Father, I can be right with everyone else. That's what I want for you today. That's what I want for you today. What hinders you? What hinders you? What tendencies do we shuffle off to the side? What are our thoughts? What are our processes? What, what are those things that keep us from ascending that hill only you know I'm not asking you to tell me I'm not even going to ask you to come down front today I'm going to pray for you and when I pray for you today I'm going to believe that God's going to do a miracle in your, your life only if you believe it He's not going to do a miracle in your life because I believe it He's going to do a miracle in your life because you believe it and I'm going to join my faith to yours if you don't have any faith then I'm not wasting my breath I want you to have faith Because you have faith. You have faith. Use it today. I want to join my faith to yours. Do you hear me today? Stand with me if you would, please. Father, I lift my voice.